You are listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. We wish to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of the Mississauga of the New Credit First Nations lands, which lands were previously occupied by the Seneca and Huron-Wendat First Nations. Welcome to everyone. Um, I'm glad to be back because I've been away for a couple weeks. I think today is a week since I got back. And I needed to rest (laughs) after having a holiday, you know. (laughs) Anyway, so welcome to everyone. And for those of you who have been away, a special welcome to you too. Grounded, Guided, Growing. A Time for Centering. From Scott Kearns. I don't usually do this. I am going to do this because it does fit with what I'm about to say. Just a little background. You see, you, you see these lovely people get up and they sing and it sounds beautiful and everything goes fine. Um, that is the hardest piece I've ever played. It has three chords, only three chords. Should be a cinch, but it changes between 4-4 four, four time and 3-4 time every fourth bar, but not consistently. <laughs> so you can't even do this for me because that just says play another note. It doesn't say how long the bar should last. So Babette, very, you didn't see that, you just see her enjoying the music like this. This is message to Scott, message to Scott during the whole performance, and I'm watching her peripherally. Also, I asked, I, I didn't see Heather, I've often asked her to pull my pages like that, didn't see her. So I asked Jan, and so she's about to come up, and then someone thinks I forgot, so they run down and they get, they get, um, they get Heather. So Heather comes up, out of the blue says, what do I do? And, and so I say, pull this, the whole thing. Yes, pull the whole thing off. The whole, but don't make sure the second part doesn't go off. So, so we're playing this song, and all I'm doing is going, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three, four. She pulls the piece, and the, so the second piece is there, all four sheets, except the fourth, the first sheet comes undone. So it falls off. So I don't have the, the sheet. So I'm going one, two, three, four, and playing. Heather finds the piece on the floor. I think it was first upside down, then it was put beside me. And there's, oh, there they are. So we play that, and we get to the end. And why I'm even telling you this is, first of all, it is such a complete honor and privilege to work together with the people we work with. But things don't always go as you would wish. But I want to just ask for you people, did it look, it looked fine, right? Did it see? It looked fine. (laughs) 
in this remarkable blessing. We, we share the joy. <laughs> so what I wanted to do for the, our, our grounded, guided, and, and growing se- section was I've asked Jen if she would read for, for us what the slide is saying about those things. We're heading into a, a, um, a general meeting. I have heard of general meetings or congregational meetings or board meetings where the, the spirit is not respectful, kind, and loving. And, and through all of this, uh, we, we have attempted to walk the walk, and I, I, it fills me with such pride and joy to be part of a community that does that. Lots of disagreement, lots of miscommunication, lots of confusion, and lots of love. And that really is a combination that can work. So uh, the song we're singing after is, is pointed to that for what we do together as, as we work to build this community. Grounded in life, with all its inhabitants, in all its interconnections, its interdependencies, its wonder, its power, its beauty, I am a part of the web of life. Guided by love. By compassion, kindness, honesty, integrity, courage. I am a part of the web of life. Growing in wisdom for my decisions choices, plans, responses, and action. I am a part of the web of life. one is from Jeffrey Kent Eugenides. Emotions, in my experience, aren't covered by single words. I don't believe in sadness, joy, or regret. Maybe the best proof that the language is patriarchal is that it oversimplifies feelings. I'd like to have at my disposal complicated hybrid emotions. Germanic train car constructions like, say, the happiness that attends disaster, 
or the disappointment of sleeping with one's fantasy. I'd like to show how intimations of mortality brought on by aging family members connects with the hatred of mirrors that begins in middle age. Yeah, laugh out loud. <laughs> I'd like to have a word for the sadness inspired by failing restaurants as well as the excitement of getting a room with a minibar. I've never had the right words to describe my life, and now that I've entered my story, I need them more than ever. The next reading is from Maya Angelou. To be left alone on the tightrope of youthful unknowing is to experience the excruciating beauty of full freedom and the threat of eternal indecision. Few, if any, survive their teens. Most surrender to the vague but murderous pressure of adult conformity. It becomes easier to die and avoid conflict than to maintain a constant battle with the superior forces of maturity. Offered as wisdom for the journey, may we walk in its light. Focused Moments from Greta Bosper. They say the heart is like a muscle, expanding and contracting to suck and push the blood in waves, life reaching into every limb and organ, from our brains to our baby toes. A muscle, that's what I'm told. But I believe it has a bone. I know it, that scrapes against its inner walls, carving a graffiti of resistance no eye will ever see. The scars of its lettering, angry, fierce, and multi-hued, spell out the words we never speak, joys will not admit, the fears that could not, cannot, be outchased. All written in a cavity of silence, but for the waves of life passing through our veins, each beat sending with it the impressions of our lies.
We have a trailer for our, I think this is our fourth, fifth movie, uh, Waves, which is the one I'm uh, looking at today, and we have the trailer for you. Wingo. Go right now. Wingo? Oh, Wingo right now. That's what's up. You think you can take the old man? Come on. That's up. Wingo right now. Wingo? Oh, Wingo right now. That's what's up. Wingo right now. Wingo? Oh, Wingo right now. That's what's up. You think you can... Wingo right now. Wingo? Oh, Wingo right now. That's what's up. You think you can take the old man? Come on. That's up. Did you start? What a difference a day made. I'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world. 24 little hours. Everything I do is for you. Hey, stop. inspired by Hollywood series uh, this week. We've got one more left, I believe. I'm pretty sure. Not 100% sure. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, But we've watched some great films. Each of them in the past have been chosen from the Best Picture nominations or what we thought the Best Picture nominations were going to be, given that the pictures were nominated, or the pictures, uh, the movies were chosen for the series before the nominations are ever out. And I was only ever really wrong about that once, um, and it was a musical. If I'd known it was a musical, it would never have ended up on my list, but it was. So it didn't get nominated. Um, but this year, uh, instead, I looked at lists of nominations for a number of categories, for uh, actors, for uh, screenwriters, for directors, for all kinds of things, um, and so chose the pictures based on that. Only two of them actually got nominations, uh, and that's a challenge because I think that they're all excellent movies. So I can't remember whether Waves was one of them. I don't think it is. Um, Parasite was definitely one of them. Parasite is now available on Google Play. Remember, there's that one little bit that you don't get to read the subtitles because your hands are over your eyes. But other than that, you should definitely watch the movie. It's one of the best movies I think has ever been made uh, because of so many different things. And the first three movies we watched had subtitles. Uh, Last week's movie was one that we were focusing on uh, because of Black History Month. This is a movie about a black family, but it's got a a white director who who put the movie together, sewed the pieces together. And so it creates this um, 
tension between the two, uh, inviting one to go further, the director invited uh, the actors to uh, find what was comfortable in their story. Uh, but at the same time, uh, sometimes it feels like it's a black family telling white people what they should do, particularly in that one scene you saw the little uh, snip about um, when the father is telling the son uh, that, you know, we don't get the same kind of privileges. You're, you're going to have to work hard at this. And the power of that uh, comes through not only in that speech that he gives to his son, but in every interaction he has uh, with his son throughout the first part of the movie. I broke the movie uh, into three different pieces, really, although many people saw it as one and two, but the, the, the whole middle piece, uh, is when things are, are moving rapidly and changing uh, and sets the tone for the second piece. And the first and last uh, pieces of the movie are so dramatically different that if you watch them separately, you wouldn't know enough to sew them together into a single movie because the tone uh, is so completely different. Has anybody watched Waves? Anyone seen it? couple of you. That's it. Well, I would definitely, this whole, like, if you watch them, I wouldn't have to do this no spoiler thing, right? Like, it would be so much easier. But anyway, I'll carry on. It's okay. Um, so, so the, um, the story, uh, we know the story is going to be devastating. Like, you know that going into the movie, that there's going to be a trauma that takes place in the movie. And that's what happens in that center part, is that trauma which takes place. But the trauma was happening through the entire first part of the movie. Uh, and that's, um, that's obvious. Once it hits, you know, and you start seeing, you go back. At one point I said uh, to Scott, that is a good dad, right? That is a good dad, the way he was instructing his son. But when the trauma happens, you think, oh, that was not a good dad. Like, that, that was not good um, because of the event that takes place as a result of the demands placed upon uh, the son by the father. So, so you watch this whole falling apart that takes place after that event, which we all know is coming and we just don't know what it is until it gets there, um, and then you see things uh, try to come back together. Um, I, I copied this phrase down when I was doing the research on, the, on all the different um, reviews. I have no idea who wrote it because I, didn't, I just pulled quotes out of the reviews and forgot to write who wrote it. But here it is. It says, audacious start, fraught with tension, followed up by an equal presentation of aftermath, and the family finding its way to the new normal. Nothing is normal, but it never has been. So what seems normal in the first one is not normal. The first half, and oh, I'm doing that my way. I should be doing it. What's, uh, yeah, normal in the first part of the movie when you start, when you see what happens in it, you start to understand the depths of what is going wrong there and watch it, uh, watch the one, uh, the one member of the family who really was not even seen in the first part of the movie, and that's the daughter, uh, come into her own and save the whole family uh, and others in the course of her working out uh, the anger that she has. So uh, it's the before the middle and the aftermath. The before the perfect. It's the perfect family. They live in this beautiful home. Uh, the mother is a successful professional. The father uh, appears to be, I think, a successful uh, builder, contractor uh, kind of guy. Uh, the, the son, um, you saw him uh, take his dad on in a 
in a, an arm wrestle, but he's chosen to be a wrestler. And so he, his life is focused on his wrestling, on being the best, so that he can get picked up by a university. And if he gets picked up by a university, then his life will be on the right trail. So he's working extremely hard uh, to make it on that team. The only problem is he goes to the doctor. He's 18. He goes by himself, doesn't need his parents. And the doctor tells him that his shoulder is in such bad shape uh, that he needs to have surgery. And he goes, well, I'll just I'll wait a couple of months and do it. And he said, no, uh, you need to do it now or you're going to have a serious injury. Well, how long will it take? I'll just, like, I can recover over the summer if I wait and do it then. It's going to take you a lot longer than the summer to recover. So he's getting all of this information, which, of course, is doing what? It's like taking every single dream that he has off the rails. So, and, he, and he, he knows it will disappoint his father, and he knows that he won't get into university, or perhaps he may not if, he, if he's not there on an athletic scholarship. So he doesn't tell anybody that that's what's going on. His dad asks him how his shoulder's doing. Oh, I'm fine. It's good. It's good. You know? And then, of course, uh, the tragic thing happens, and he, his shoulder is, is destroyed in a wrestling match, uh, and, and all of those dreams uh, start falling apart. So that's, uh, that's that, that first part. Uh, the middle is uh, when there's trauma. Uh, those who have not been heard um, are suddenly uh, center stage. Uh, those who have been heard are suddenly uh, silenced. Uh, and the whole mixing that takes place in that of the personalities and the storyline and, and the going forward is deeply confusing and explanatory at the same time. Uh, it, you're pulling together pieces of, of what you've seen before and bringing it into this, these people whose lives are changing uh, dramatically uh, to go forward in, in a new way. And then uh, the third part, as I said, the little sister. Uh, you know, it was the perfect family, mom, dad, big brother, little sister. Uh, but the little sister then has to step into her own, and she uh, watches uh, the family falling apart. She sees the disaster unfolding. She's she knows that there's no place for her. She's traumatized at school. She, uh, she has just this horrible, horrible experience until this guy uh, comes up to her and, and invites her on a date. They start talking, and, and uh, she's like, what? And then ends up, they end up in this relationship. And she finds her healing powers first in that relationship. And then finds ways to translate them into her own family relationships. And the work of that is clean and hard, and the language is difficult, and the, the things that need to be said need to be said to people that she shouldn't need to say them to. But she manages to find that and to take that forward. And that's the it's as though, I think the movie's title is, it's as though there are these waves that come into play uh, because of the, maybe the, as one, one critic said, it's, it's all these little tiny ripples that end up in these, this tsunami wave that just swipes the family uh, from its moorings and sets them on a completely different path. Now the first reading, the, the Middlesex reading, um, I... I I love that he put it out there that we don't have words to describe our emotions. Uh, when I, we were doing a study of a book um, 
about emotions uh, some years ago. I was constantly Googling lists of emotions. But I like this uh, Germanic train constructions. Do you know what that means? Um, if, you, if you know any German, um, Germans take the words of different things and slam them all in together into one word, right? Um, you talk to Anna-Marie at the cof- or at lunch, and I'm sure she'll tell you a few of them where they've just like said, oh, yeah, this, and oh, that, and, and this, and that's the word, right? And so, so he says we need these Germanic train constructions to be able to talk about what really goes on in our, in our hearts and minds, things that we don't have words for, but that we're experiencing over and over and over again, or maybe uniquely just once or twice in our lifetimes. So I was going to say, I want you to um, come up with some of those, but I know on the spot that's super ridiculous. But I want you to spend some time this week just paying close attention and seeing what the emotion is. What's the emotion of getting a teller to laugh and make another teller laugh, and another a customer laugh, and all four. What's the emotion of that? Well, it's not funny. I mean, that's, that's not big enough to, to lay claim to what was going on there. We have the opportunity to pull things together, and so I came up with a few of them. Uh, the time between hello and leave me alone. Right? Like, what does that feel like? Ugh. Okay, or watching snowfall on a discarded Christmas tree that lies on the boulevard waiting to be picked up. What's that feeling? Like, you feel it. I feel it every time I see one. I feel a very different one when I see one tied up in a plastic bag. That's a very different feeling. Or the quiet after a home filled with boisterous relatives. The zen of that, right? We all have things that we've never even thought had emotions attached to them, right? Like, this isn't funny. This isn't, this isn't uh, happy. This isn't sad. This isn't something that cut and dried. We've allowed ourselves to be funneled into maybe um, four and then a few out of them. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm frightened. Uh, I'm, you know, all of those kinds of things. Uh, sad, glad, mad, and fried. Um, But beyond that, we don't chart a course to a new understanding of what our feelings are. And as we watch the family in waves, um, in waves, actually, when we watch the family in waves, the emotions are so real, yet I don't think anyone in the family has the words for them. Uh, the, The little sister finds a way to allow their expression, though not in words, and the mother and father are trying to find words that match, and you can see that their words are just totally missing each other. Um, what the one is saying, which is so important to him, the other can't hear because um, she has what's important to her, and how many of us have been in those situations where our lives are just on a completely different track from others who are trying to explain to us how they feel, and we're looking at them like they're crazy because that's not how I felt, or they don't say anything at all. And we never get to know. So coming up with some of those new uh, definitions would be great. And if you bring them, I'd love to see them. So write them down and maybe we'll share them. Um, the construction to uh, the connection to the Maya Angelou reading. Um, I loved her line, the excruciating beauty of full freedom and the threat of eternal 
indecision. In the movie, uh, the family is heading toward, you know, a, a good future. Um, they're confident that they're going to make it to that future. They don't know that the pilings underneath the house or underneath the family relationships are really as fragile or as uh, off-kilter as they really are. And so they keep going toward that future, uh, mostly in ignorance because the son hasn't shared what's going on about his shoulder. So that one piece is going to bring them all down as the event that blows apart uh, takes the center out of what that family was. And then those moorings make no sense whatsoever. The big house has nothing to do with anything that they need to cope with. Uh, the, the family dinner table, the, the jokes and the, the joint bedrooms with a bathroom in the middle, none of it makes any sense to what is going on with that family. Yet at the end of the movie, we watch this, uh, we watch a family which is secondary to the movie, a completely different family in which the, the son was given tragedy from the word go. The son in that family knew that he was growing up in tragedy. And he experienced that. Didn't know how to cope with it. He was too little when he had to build that framework upon which everything else was, was held. This is the guy that ends up in the relationship with the little sister. And the little sister grew up in a, thinking the house was, everything is the way it's supposed to be. And when the two of them start healing one another's sorrows, uh, there's a redemption that takes place, which is, some may feel that it's out of place, although I didn't really see that any reviewers that said that, but it's so starkly different to what's been going on, and it's the introduction of a whole new characters that, what are they doing here? It doesn't seem to make sense, but it invites us to see that the redemptions that we look for aren't necessarily going to come from where we think they're going to come. They may come from someplace out in the blue that we didn't expect. They may come from watching uh, from the sidelines something we didn't know how to do. When I look back on uh, my own relationship with my, my children and the complexities of those, I think, oh my gosh, maybe I could have done that because I saw someone else doing it. Maybe I thought that dad and the ways that he was leading and guiding his son were so good was because I didn't have a dad that could do that, and so I didn't transfer that to my children. And we wonder how we put together our lives and how we end up being the people that we are and how much we're willing to say to one another about who we are. Uh, the stole on the, the far side, these are, these are former stoles that I wore as, as a minister, and this one uh, is... A crazy quilt. Um, I made it in 1992, just as I was getting ordained. And I made it after I've told this story many times, but um, it's always a new congregation. Um, I made it uh, because of some therapy I was doing at the time, uh, which invited me to see that if I was ever going to stand up here and speak to a group of people, it needed to be all of me. It couldn't be just my intellect couldn't be just my emotions. It couldn't be just my sense of leadership. It couldn't be just my background story. I couldn't be just one or the other thing. I needed to find a way to be whole when I stood up here. And so every time I put that stole on for the first many years of my uh, ministry, it reminded me 
uh, because it's made up of all the different parts of my life, um, from, you know, the, the gown that I wore when I was ordained, my parents' living room curtains, um, a dress I made my daughter and my grandmother's smoking jacket. I mean, it's got all of my life in it, right? And it reminded me that I needed to be who I am. I needed to be a woman. Um, it was based on a story that ended up in one of Rosemary Radford Ruther's books called The Parable of the Naked Lady. And uh, the, she, it was written during a writing workshop, the woman who wrote it. And uh, so she says, Jesus is walking down the road and he finds a naked woman sitting at the crossroads. And he says to her, uh, what, are, what are you doing here? And she says, well, I, no, I'm sorry, I missed it up. Jesus tells the story. Another woman comes along and sees this woman uh, naked. And she goes, why are you sitting here naked? And she goes, well, I've got um, my, the clothes that I have to wear. I'm a, I'm a corporate executive wife. And the clothes that I have to wear, oh, they're so heavy. You know, the ornamentation and the, you know, I have to hide who I am to put this on. And so I just, I'm not, can't do it anymore. And the woman goes, well, I, I can give you mine. Um, I'm a housewife and my dress is heavy too. And they go through and it ends up there's like six women stark naked on the corner, right? And they are, they're arguing about how heavy their own dresses are. There's a nun. I mean, her habit weighs a ton. Uh, there's a sex worker whose skimpy things, you have no idea how much those skimpy things weigh, particularly if you're pole dancing and trying to wear them upside down. Anyway, a uh, little tiny aside there. Um, uh, the housewife, the, there's all these women there naked. And, um, and as, soon as, as soon as they're all sitting there complaining, uh, it feels normal. But then they start telling one another what they could do. The sex worker says to the nun, I could teach you how to feel pleasure. And the corporate executive's wife says to the, says to the mom, you know, I can give you some skills so that you can, you know, move outside of that box. And they end up sharing the stories of how they can strengthen one another. And the first naked woman gets up and walks down and sits down at the next crossroads and begins that story again. So the stole was the story of all those different parts of me coming together. In this movie, as in any movie, you don't get to see all of the character. You get to see flashes and pieces, but you get to understand that the strength of that story lies in all of the things that are underneath that we don't get to see. And as they're exposed during that tumultuous center time, and we move into this time of redemption and reorientation uh, that the family must go through, uh, we find that there is so much more there uh, than was ever trusted before. If we could find ways to trust the so much that's always there that we often do not see or talk about or share, then perhaps we could avoid some of those enormous waves that strike us and broadside us as well. And we don't go through them on a day-to-day -day basis, but we do hit places in our lives that are hard and that hurt and that reorient us in ways that is challenging and that we did not choose. But if we can take that moment and find out who we are, the whole of what that is, even a brief one, then we can find our way through those times. We can find our voice. We can express what we need, even if it takes 
a Germanic train car construction in order to make it known. Thank you. West Hill has never been a closed loop, so those of you who aren't members or who don't come very regularly are welcome to hang out for the annual meeting. We'll give you a voice, and we'll decide whether or not we'll give you a vote, um, but we do. Uh, there are so many cool things happening here that you'll want to stay to hear the conversation. Neither are your lives closed loops. We like to think that we've got everything figured out, that we know where we're going, that we have a plan for next week or next month or 10 years from now. We like to think that we've got it all under control. But loops only close when we stop changing, and we stop changing only when we die. And so in order to stay open, We have to keep our lives open and our hearts open. We have to keep living with all the risks inherent in that. We have to keep talking with all the change that might come crashing down upon us as a result. We have to keep holding our hands out to one another, no matter what the risk might be. So as we gather for our lunch and we have our conversation and our meeting and we go into our the rest of our lives, remember, don't close that loop. Keep it open to the hearts around you who will often hand you your own. Go from this place in peace. So we will be the love that opens you compassion. Be the strength that walks beside you in peace. Be the courage that works with you for justice. For freedom to be me, it will come from you and me. For freedom to be, for freedom to be. You have been listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. 
To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate.